You create your life with the stories you tell yourself. Want more fun, love, and money? Then write your new story and live into it. Louis DiBianco's podcast, Change Your Story, Change Your Life, shows you how to discover your empowering story. You'll meet many successful people who have created magnificent lives, even when the odds were stacked against them. Plus, you'll learn the secrets of great storytelling that can explode your business. And now, here is your host, Louis DiBianco. Wait a minute. Is that one of those pyramid schemes? <laughs> Does that sound familiar? Maybe it even makes you laugh. The thing is, it's not a laughing matter. It's actually sad. It's sad for the people in 2016 who still think that network marketing is shady unreliable, and maybe illegal. It's sad for those people because that question will keep many of them struggling, broke, and unhappy, unless they are willing to question the question. Hey, hello, I'm your host, Louis DiBianco, and welcome to another episode of Change Your Story, Change Your Life. If you get value from the show, please leave us a five-star rating on iTunes, a brief review, and click subscribe. This will help to spread the word. Also, at the site, Change Your Story, podcast.com, make sure to download your free ebook. Storytelling Secrets for a Rich Life and Business. Today, we have a special guest who not only questioned the pyramid scheme question, he did his due diligence, discovered the truth about network marketing, embraced it, and created a magnificent life for himself, his wife, and his two children. His name is Todd Falcone. Over the past decade, Falcone has dedicated a majority of his time speaking and training on the subject of network marketing success. And I call him a true edutainer. He has a distinct style that's candid, in your face, very funny, and practical at the same time. So he has his audiences both laughing and learning. In 2006, Todd founded Reach for success. And that's reach the number four success. This is a company that supports, educates, and trains individuals in the network marketing industry. He offers several training programs, several of which I have studied and learned a tremendous amount from, including insider secrets to recruiting professionals, how to win in the game of prospecting, the Little Black Book of Scripts, Cracking the Code to Success in Network Marketing, and the sought-after live coaching program, The A-Team. Over the past 12 years, Todd Falcone has hosted Todd Falcone's Monday Night Training. It's a weekly call dedicated to individuals wanting to learn more about the industry and grow their businesses. On that call, he shares the success tactics that have allowed him to attain his financial goals, retire as a network marketing distributor, and build his successful and ever-growing seminar business. Todd Falcone even consults network marketing company owners. He trains top-level distributors, coaches individual home-based business owners, and speaks at corporate training events all over the world. This is a guy who walks. 
the talk. He currently lives in Arizona with his wife, Carla, and their two sons, Johnny and Joey. It's my honor and pleasure to say, Todd Falcone, thank you and welcome to our show. Lewis, it's great to be here. How's your day going? My day is going just beautifully because I discovered through network marketing and personal development that it's a choice. How do I want it to go? <laughs> and you said you're having a mellow Monday. I am. Too many people freak out on Fridays that they're so excited. It's the weekend, and I think every day is a Friday. I totally agree. There's no other way to live. So let's do the obvious and begin at the beginning. Where were you born? I was born up in Washington State in the Pacific Northwest. Were you born to a big family? Uh, I got an older sister, younger brother, so not too big of a family, not too many siblings, two siblings, and got a couple of couple of half-brothers and two sisters. but my, my main family is uh, my older sister, my younger brother. You know, that's interesting uh, with families when someone is in network marketing. Um, are any of your siblings in this profession? Not a single soul. Mm-hmm. What did your parents do? Uh, my father, growing up, uh, pretty much drove big equipment, backhoes and trucks and, you know, the things that we played like as kids, Tonka toys, but he drove the big ones, the real ones. And uh, my mom uh, spent a career working for different cosmetic companies, Clinique, Revlon, things like that. Not not direct sales uh, cosmetics, but uh, in the actual retail stores. That's uh, That was her career path for quite a few years. Was she ever attracted to um, the network marketing profession? For instance, a company like Mary Kay? Never. I don't think she ever got introduced to network marketing. Ah. Ever. She had to have a, a son who went astray and found his way into the pyramid scheme. <laughs> well, it's funny, it's funny you say that because I remember first getting introduced to network marketing and I didn't know what it was, but I went to a business opportunity meeting, thought it was a job interview and she was the first person I called to tell her I was so excited to start my, my career path. And and I remember the phone call because I called her. I said, Mom, I found my career path. And she said, oh, my gosh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited for you. What, what are you doing? I said, I went to this meeting, and they're drawing circles on the board. And I gave them 500 bucks, and I bought some product. And you can recruit people, and you can build a, build a team. She's like, oh, my God, you're in a pyramid scheme. I'm going to make you pay back every last dollar of your college education if you do that. <laughs> and, uh, and she was serious, but I, I ignored her. Fortunately, she didn't make me pay back my college education. But uh, she tried to threaten me using <laughs> using that threat, and I still did it anyway. Good for you, and uh, good for a lot of us that you stayed in the game. Were you a good student in school? <laughs> I was a loudmouth troublemaker that got decent grades. I mean, I guess a uh, good student. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, my parents uh, taught me to take care of my business at school, so I did. Um, I got B's and A's mostly, so I guess you could call me a good student, but uh, no, no honor roll and never got any awards or anything like that, but... Uh, Got decent grades going through college and going through high school. It's fascinating uh, in the entrepreneurial world how many people I've met, I'm sure you have too, who are enormously successful and, and very, very smart. And a lot of these people just had no tolerance for school and they didn't even finish high school. But, you know, like you, I was a decent student and I was a loudmouth troublemaker. Now, as a kid, did you have a dream about what you wanted to be when you grew up? Honestly, no. I mean, I didn't have some, I wanted to be an astronaut, a firefighter, uh, 
Not that I can recall. I mean, I was just living my life and growing up and having fun, having a good time, doing what kids do, and found myself at that point of uh, having the choice to go to college. I was the first and only, well, first kid in my family to go to school, go to college, and get an education. So I wanted to live a good life, and, and I felt that the more education I had, the the better chances I would have out in the marketplace. And But uh, no, I didn't really have some thing that I wanted to be. Uh, I was decent in the sports that I played in, but you know, never really. I played soccer, tennis, and and I was I've been skiing since I was very young, but never really focused on one of those sports enough to think that I would actually do one of those sports professionally. What did you study in college? <laughs> well, I got my degree in marketing, but I started out as a poli sci major. First couple of years was planning on going to law school. I'm going to become an attorney, and uh, one of my projects was to go interview 10 attorneys, and all 10 of them told me I was nuts. All, <laughs> they were. All of them, the ones that I, I interviewed were all alcoholics and, and smoked a lot and seemed to be very stressed out. And I don't know, that just didn't seem really appealing to me, so I changed my major. I was following the Grateful Dead around for a few years and experimenting and in, in, uh, following the Grateful Dead around and changed my major to philosophy for about a year and uh, then came back to marketing, got my degree in marketing and, and basically for my entire business career, I've been in the marketing world. So it's been about, I don't know, 26 years in business now. How much of what you learned in the academic world of marketing has helped you now in the real world? Uh, I, 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 I don't know if I can put a percentage on it, but I, I would say some, uh, not a majority. I think, uh, you know, Jim Rohn has a great, how, what does he say? He says, uh, formal education will make you a living, self-education will make you a fortune. And, uh, I, you know, there's some great things that you understand and learn and, and come to grips with when you're getting your degree, especially in marketing, understanding, you know, supply and demand and, and you know, just what marketing is and examples of it. But what percentage do I apply it today? I would say probably less than, from what I learned in school, probably less than 20%. Uh, I'm not surprised. I, I wouldn't have been surprised if you said less than 5%. So your family was not happy about you joining network marketing. Now, you stayed in it, but did you take to it right away? Were you good at it right away? Uh, no, I wasn't good at it. I took to it, meaning I took, I, I did it and I never treated it as a little part-time hobby. I took it very seriously from the very beginning, but for two years, I basically made nothing. I ran out of money and, uh, my mother who was, I mean, she's very supportive now, uh, but who in the early stages certainly wasn't, uh, I had to go and move home and live in the bunk beds at their house after I ran out of money, go through consumer credit counseling, cut up the only credit cards that I had and and consolidate my debt into one monthly payment to, to, to pay back uh, all this credit card debt that I accumulated in my first two years in network marketing. So for two years, I really, I mean, I made some money, but I ultimately ended up uh, with a big wad of debt that I had to pay back and sit, you know, sit back and regroup and, and start all over again. So no, I didn't, uh, I didn't knock it out, out of the chute from, from the very beginning, for sure. I'm really glad that you shared that because... A lot of people, as you know, at the beginning have a really hard time falling into the right groove and understanding exactly how it works. So during that period, what other did you do with some other kinds of work? Uh, well, I, I had a job. I was selling cable television door to door when I first got started in network marketing. And I was making good money for a kid. I was making about a thousand bucks a week, knocking on doors, selling cable TV in Spanish. 
I still remember the script to this date. Uh, but uh, I would knock on doors Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night for about three or four hours a night, and I make enough sales to make about a grand a week. Uh, and started my network marketing career, and how you know, I wasn't very smart because here I have this job that barely takes me anything, and I'm I got dollar signs in my eyes and my brain thinking I'm going to be making 10 grand a month in 90 days. And so 90 days into starting my first network marketing business, I quit my job and, you know, to, to give it all. And I was surviving on top ramen and having to retail a product here and there just to make, put food in my mouth and, and try to pay for my rent. So, yeah. And so for the first 24 months, uh, except for the first three months, I, I didn't have a job. I was working my business full time. And I think, you know, looking back at it, I would, I don't regret what I did, but I would certainly not quit the job until I created some success. Did you ever want to quit? And what made you hold on to the dream? Yeah. And I for sure felt like quitting. I mean, the first couple of years, very frustrating. I had people around me that were having more success and faster accomplishing more and you know there'd be times i'd come home in tears and saying why not me what's wrong with me how come it's not happening for me uh i, I don't know i mean what kept me there i just I, when i walked in it just the the concept made sense to me uh i i the whole idea of residual income and moving a product and building a team and uh, i don't think there's any intelligent human being can look at that and go okay well that from a bare bones concept makes sense and I just thought, well, you know, it'll happen for me eventually. And, you know, I realized that it's personalities and people are different and everybody has a different, uh, I don't know, center of influence they're coming from and, and a different skill level and a different, they're just, we're all different human beings. So, yeah, I judge myself against the performance of others. But, you know, I, I just figured I was going to stay until I figured it out. One of the things I made early on was a decision. And unfortunately, I think a lot of people in network marketing, a lot of people in network marketing have not made a decision. They think they have, but you know, three months from now they'll be out. Six months from now they'll be out. Whenever they're out, uh, and I just being out was never an option for me. Mm. That is so key. Uh, we hear this consistently from people who've achieved enormous success. I mean, it's the idea of burning your boats. You have you don't have, you don't leave yourself an exit strategy. I'm going to conquer or die fighting. Good for you, man. That takes courage, takes strength, and takes vision. Now that you look back, because you did achieve success, what would you say was your biggest aha about what was making it difficult for you? Your biggest challenge? Yeah, I can remember back. I was, uh, in fact, I, I think one of my, I've had several aha moments, I guess, through my career, but one that, first one that really sticks out is. I was at the Bonaventure Hotel in 1991 in a seminar with like 5,000 people, and I was sitting next to my sponsor, and this guy who was on stage was doing all these characters as a means of demonstrating and basically teaching different lessons, but being in costume and character. And one of the things that he was he came out as was the Joker from Batman, and essentially the lesson from that was lighten up, have a good time, life's too short not to giggle, and. And my sponsor looked at me with this big, freaky, you know, I remember he's, I can see it right now. He's sitting on my right and he's like, yeah, <laughs> that's you, Falcone, that's you. And, uh, and I kind of like, he was just, I came to the realization that I was just too serious. Like I was grinding my business uh, and it was all just being pushed away. Cause I just, I mean, I was, I was, I was serious and I was, I think I was too serious. 
and I was forcing, I wasn't having a good time. Nobody wants to be around people that are having a good time. So that's probably why I wasn't enrolling too many people. <laughs> so, so I started to lighten up. Things started to happen for me a little bit. Could you give us a specific image of what that looked like when you say you were being too serious? Let's say you were talking to me and I was a prospect. How would you, how would your behavior come across as too serious? I don't know. Just like, you know, Lewis, if you, if you don't see this, I mean, how, how could you not see this? This is the biggest thing that's ever happened. You, you, you must not be that intelligent. I thought you were smarter than that. Ah. You know, that kind of, just the, the level of intensity thinking I'm so cool. And I mean, I just, I look back at that and I just kind of shake my head and go, wow, really? I mean, we all have our growing up to do. I had a lot of growing up to do in my early days. Uh, you have you met uh, David T. S. Wood? Yep, I have absolutely. I love what he says that every master was once a disaster, and I certainly find it true in my life. That's great, man. So you know what's interesting? You are a guy who naturally has a sense of humor. So do you know why it didn't like you kind of muffled it in the early days in network marketing? Uh, I just, I don't know. Maybe I just felt like I had to be the serious business person to be in business. And, and if I wasn't serious, then I wasn't in business. Mm -hmm. And now I'm just like goof. I'm just a goofball. Uh, I mean, that's just my natural, <laughs> I don't know. I kind of sway to the goofball side more than anything. So it's easier. I wasn't really being authentic when I was being too serious. I mean, not that I don't uh, treat my business as seriously. I've always stepped up to the plate and got, got it done. But, uh, Typically, I get better results when I'm having a good time, not when I'm grinding. Mm-hmm. And what would you say were the biggest personal doubts and fears that you had to face inside of yourself as you were coming up against, you know, failure? Uh, why would anybody listen to me? I think it was probably big. Like my own self-doubt, my own... I mean, I care. I, I, for sure, I remember being, because I was young, I was 22 when I started. A lot of people I was talking to were older than me. So I thought, well, why would somebody who's older than me, I mean, they, they must know more. They've got more going on. They've got more experience, more life experience. You know, why would they want to pay attention to me? And so that was a big thing I had to get over. And it was interesting because, like, I remember, I don't know, a couple years into my first business, I had this guy that was white-haired, uh, older, I think, at the time. He was probably in his mid-50s. And... He had, uh, he wanted to borrow money from me, and he was willing to give me a sailboat as collateral. And I thought that was kind of like one of those. That was another epiphany. I was like, "Wow, here's this guy that he should be. He should have five grand with all the gray hair he's got, and he doesn't. And he wanted to borrow it from me. And I thought that was kind of like an interesting moment for me, where I realized just because somebody's older than you doesn't mean that they make more or got uh, more going on in their life. And that was a another little shift for me. So that was kind of fascinating. Mm-hmm. So I would love to know, I'm sure the listeners would too, you were out of the game for a couple of years, right? Or for a while because you had fallen into debt and you didn't know if you could make it. What was the moment or the thing that brought you back in? <laughs> I was out for like a matter of three months, so it wasn't that long actually. Okay. Uh, I moved home to Northern California to help out uh, my family's radio station. They owned a radio station. I took a job as an account executive. And I had never sold advertising before. I've got two years of network marketing experience under my belt. Now, granted, not making money at it, but a lot of great entrepreneur education. And um, 
I remember walking into a sales meeting and, and I don't know, it just the vibe in the sales meeting was just different. Here I am hanging out with all these fun, entrepreneurial, upbeat, motivated, excited people. And I remember walking into a sales meeting and just the vibe was just different. And I was getting vibed on too as well because I remember here I'm, I'm coming in as the owner's son. And I know that you know those those account executives back then thought, oh God, here here comes the owner's son. Is he going to sit on his butt and do nothing, or you know they're going to steal accounts from me and give them to him because he's the owner's kid? And I just kind of came into the sales meeting and and uh, minding my own business, and they gave me the all the accounts that nobody else could close and the yellow pages. And I went out in the marketplace with a different attitude, different state of mind than pretty much every other employee in that marketplace, and within. Actually, a pretty short period of time, I was the number two earning account executive in that market, and we had crap ratings as our station. I think we were like women 25 to 54. We were number seven out of, you know, I mean, it's not very good being the seventh rated radio station in a market population of 525,000, small market, Monterey, Salina, Santa Cruz area. And uh, uh, I, I mean, I just, I took my entrepreneur education that I got and applied it into that uh, particular business but the other thing was i had to have my sanity i had to find network marketing again so within three months i started looking around and uh looked at two different companies at the time and had meetings with the two different people and ended up choosing the one who was uh i'll just say smart enough to keep the uh, business presentation simple and because she kept it simple i chose to join their company over the other one. The other one ended up being a, a bigger, longer-term, very successful company. They're multi, no, they're about probably two billion dollar a year company today. The other one, the one that I joined, uh, never became a really big company. But the reason I joined that company was because of how she kept the presentation, which was very, very simple. Wow, that that is now. Is that the company that you remained with? No, I've in, in in my network marketing career, I built six companies to multiple six figure checks. So unfortunately, I was never in the position where um, you know I got into network marketing. I found one company and I built it for life. The very first company I spent a couple years with uh, ended up having to scramble home and regroup financially. I find this other company in 1992 and uh, built that business for a few years part time. I was helping out with my family business out. I did not quit the job. I was building it part-time. I had to have my check and my auto ship shipped to a friend's house because if my mom found out I was building a network marketing company under her roof, I would have you know, probably been kicked out of the house. And I needed the, the roof, and I needed to be able to regroup, regroup financially. <laughs> and uh, you know, two, I think two and a half years, three years into that, I found a lead generation program that was actually a network marketing company. I joined that to build that business, and, and I ended up building that business for – about 10 years actually was with that company for from the very beginning till when they paid their last check and unfortunately the company owner had some poor decision making which caused them to go out of business and in the interim I built another company after that built another one and typically the you know the reason I ended up changing was because not not because oh this opportunity is not good enough uh, the company owner made really crap decisions and uh, forced uh, just they're all different. Like one guy was a gambling addict. The other one yelled at uh, 52 top distributors that are in a room in Melbourne, Florida and, and immediately shut down spot. I mean, sh completely shut down recruiting in that company overnight. Uh, one time I had an organization in a company that I built pretty quickly when the internet first came out and we, I built it. Uh, th this is way, this is like at the beginning of the internet and built it a hundred percent online. 
and built a pretty big business in a very short period of time. Uh, but I didn't really like the product, so I ended up getting rid of that organization. I sold it to another friend. So I think I've been in, I think, seven companies total over 26 years. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Now, what would you say were the things that you began doing differently that started really accelerating your success? Uh, I think for sure relaxing and having a good time and enjoying the process and not being too serious was one reason. Uh, I learned how to effectively enroll people through uh, doing three-way calls with my sponsor, or actually not my sponsor, but my upline, up my upline's upline in another company. And he just said, hey, look, you know what? Find somebody who likes what, what it is, show it to them. And uh, if they're showing interest, bring them to me on a three-way call. And I did. So I pounded this guy with more three-way calls and probably a lot of people in his group. And I listened to what he did and how he said what he said. And I did my best to really model uh, what he was doing. And, and as a result, I ended up getting good results. So the modeling is so key, right? Because now we're talking about duplication. Absolutely. Yeah. That is really, really wonderful. Now, who would you say were your most important mentors in, uh, in network marketing or just in life, period? Uh, I would say the guy, I'm not going to even mention him by name, from the, the original leader of this company was definitely very influential or very early my first couple of years in network marketing. Uh, oh, I, you know, I'll, I'll mention it. I don't really care. It doesn't matter. So, and, and I'll, I'll give the backstory behind it. So, uh, I started out, uh, can I mention, I mean, this is 26 years ago. So, so I started out in, in, in a company called NSA national safety associates, which is now juice plus mm -hmm. under a, uh, an organization under this guy by the name of Bill Gould. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I he, I'm hesitant to uh, to mention his name because he has a very crap rep reputation. He's he's been permanently booted out of network marketing. Um, he started a company called Equinox International that uh, uh, we ended up taking the distributors that were in NSA when he started Equinox and moved the existing distributorship over into Equinox. That company ran for about four or five years. Actually, became a pretty sizable company before the Federal Trade Commission came in and you know basically shut the deal down. And he you know he ended up getting permanently booted out of network marketing. But the the entrepreneur education that I got through um, Advanced Marketing Seminars, which was their training company early on, was pretty uh, influential in, in my attitude and mindset and the way I approach things. And as as a lot of, I, when somebody mentions his name, it's like, oh yeah, Bill Gould, yeah, he was front loading and buy $25,000 in water filters and screwing everybody. And while there's some truth to some of the things that he did, obviously, I mean, otherwise he wouldn't have had the situation happen. Uh, I learned an awful lot, and I was a young, impressionable kid that had no entrepreneur education. And to, you know, go to these seminars and learn how to treat a business like a business, and and understand uh, that you gotta, you know, you gotta have work ethic, and you gotta be coming from a position of belief, and you have to be working on your communication skills, and and so many things that I learned early on came from that particular mentor, if you will. Um, I have a very large library, and I kind of consider my my library my mentors. I've got thousands of books that I've uh, purchased and acquired over the years, and 
uh, I, you know, I don't really have like individual, this is my superstar mentor that taught me everything uh, I know about network marketing. I've had, you know, a lot of great people that I've worked with and uh, a lot of influence from different books that I've read. But that that's, that would be, if I could put a name to one, that would be probably one of my early uh, influencers. And then I had many influencers over the years. That's a great story, man. I mean, I'm really glad you did talk about it because, uh, you know, uh, Things are not black and white. I mean, so the guy made mistakes. He, uh, you know, uh, but he also had many qualities that helped you. And um, you, I love the fact that you have a library. I'm also a voracious reader. What books jump to mind right now, just without thinking, that would help people, not only if they wanted to be network marketers, but with mindset and help them to become better than who they are today oh that's easy i mean think and grow rich enthusiasm makes the difference how to win friends and influence people uh the success principles uh, as a man thinketh by james allen augmandino's greatest secret in the world um influence the psychology of persuasion which is a newer uh book but those are certainly uh ones that come to mind right away now I, I was familiar with almost all of them, but the other one, you the one you mentioned one, Enthusiasm Makes a Difference? Yeah, by Norman Vincent Peale. Oh, he wrote that as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to look that one up. Fantastic. And what about a book that's specifically network marketing, other than something that you wrote? <laughs> oh, well, I've only really wrote written one book, so... Uh, and I wouldn't give kudos to my own book. I would say uh, your first year in network marketing by Mark Yarnell, who passed away this last year. I actually had a chance to work with Mark for several years closely. Um, he and I worked in the same company together for several years. And I think that one, and I actually right after he passed uh, this last year, I reread it again. And the, um, you know, the things that he shares in that, uh, in that book are still very, very relevant. Of course, you know, Eric Worre is a good friend as well. And, and GoPro uh, is another really great book. It's obviously a newer newer book. But if you're asking, you know, what, what had an impact on me early in my career, it would certainly be that one. Um, yeah, I, I've read um, uh, your best year in network marketing. Is it similar or is it a, a later book than the first year? Your best year in network marketing is a later book that he wrote. Your first year in network marketing was the original one. Right. Okay. Yeah. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the things that I remember him saying that went against the grain to a lot of network marketers was that he didn't think he didn't believe in duplication. I don't specifically recall that. Uh, I mean, obviously, he created quite a bit of duplication through the organizations that he built. So maybe it's the he was so educated and so intelligent and so well read that perhaps he was challenging what most people believe is the definition of duplication in network marketing mm-hmm. or how people describe it. I mean, he was seriously so smart and uh, like he would he he would use words and I would be like, "What what does that mean?" <laughs> like he, he like what did he call me? He like, "Hey buddy, you know, you need to read some more." <laughs> So, uh, he was a great guy. He was a a minister at one time, yes? He was, yeah. Yeah. 
Now, did you ever meet or work closely with Jim Rohn? Uh, yeah, I mean, I never really spent, I can't say I spent personal time with Jim. I spoke on the same stage at probably four or five different events as he did. And I've met him and had a few short conversations, but we never really hung out. I mean, uh, but yeah, I definitely had a chance to meet him personally and I attended many events that he spoke at and then had an opportunity to share the stage at a number of events that we did together. Now, I would love to hear directly from you what you love most about network marketing. Uh, I think the thing I love the most about network marketing is, uh, I think it's probably a combination of a few things. You can you can be yourself and, and more or less, uh, I mean, you, know, you don't have to, uh, what's the best way to put it? You just, well, I guess, yeah, just you can be yourself. Like, if you look at me and the way I am, I'm just me, you know, and I, I would not do well. Uh, being me the way I am in corporate America, very likely anyhow, uh, because they have a set of rules and you're supposed to play by, by those rules. And quite frankly, I don't like playing by the rules. So uh, just the ability to just be your authentic self, I think is really cool. And then uh, the choices that leverage residual income provides and everybody does their own thing with their money. And, and that's obviously their choice. Uh, I think for me, the the ability to like here or whatever it's today the day that we're recording this i haven't done much today i got up this morning i hung out with my kids i went to an appointment i worked for a couple of hours in starbucks i went and saw a movie and now i'm with you and you know where the, the ability to just do whatever you want to do whenever you feel like doing it is so advantageous and to me it's more than the stuff that you can buy. It's great to be able to buy stuff. Don't get me wrong. Have a nicer TV or a nicer house or better clothes or better education or money in the bank. But I don't know. It's the, the freedom to come and go on your own terms, which is really the big turn on for me. I totally agree. And, you know, when you talk about the things that um, it provides in terms of leverage, like you just described, people must understand if they're not familiar with, if they haven't participated in this, that what Todd is talking about is not just taking a day off. He's living his life, and it's interwoven with what he does as his profession. And whatever he's doing, if he's in a movie or playing with his child or making business phone calls, he's still earning money. And that's the magic of it. And by the way, what movie did you see today? Oh, what did I see? Oh, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> see, that's how it is. I leave a movie, and I, I think it was called Imperium. It was a, it was, it was a, uh, it was a movie about white supremacy in America and how bad it is. Uh, so Ooh, it, was, it was very, uh, what's the right term? I don't know. It was disturbing is what it was is the best way I can put it. So it was a documentary. It was based on true events. Yeah. Mm. But I don't know if it was, I wouldn't call it a documentary, but it was definitely based on true events, which is just frightening. And my wife and I are sitting there going, wow, this stuff actually exists. It's frightening. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, what do you hate about network marketing, if anything? What do I hate about network marketing? Yeah. Uh, if there's anything at all that you hate about it. 
I wouldn't even really call it hate. I guess the thing that that frustrates me is the lack of understanding that people who are outside of network marketing have and it's but it's also based on probably some of it's based on experiences with overzealous uh untrained people that unfortunately give our profession a bad rap and then there are people that flat out go out and exaggerate and lie and and tell untruths and uh, i don't know i guess the thing that frustrates me the most is uh, you got something that costs nothing to get in so anybody can get in and when anybody can get in because there's no barrier to entry anybody will get in and uh, it can cause a problem for people that are trying to do things the right way mm -hmm. I agree with that I, de I definitely understand that um, you know how has network marketing enriched your life I think it's enriched it in many ways. I've had the opportunity to uh, meet an, an incredible, large array of different people around the world uh, and do business with them and help them in many ways uh, through the coaching that I do now as a speaker and a trainer, as well as the things that I did in actively building in the field. Uh, I think the feedback that I've gotten from other individuals in terms of them getting really great results and having their life change is probably the most fulfilling thing about network marketing for me more than, I mean, the money's great and you can, whatever you can, that's cool. But I think when, when money is really not a big issue for you, then you have people that see, you know, see big changes happen in them and have these big breakthroughs and, have these get through these financial hurdles or whatever they are in their life and and you seeing that is 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 really the the greatest windfall you know i hear it and and i and i really get it and i think what i hear you saying is that one of the beautiful things is that when you are in a position where the money you earn exceeds what you quote unquote need to survive that you now enter a space where you're thriving, and you can focus more on contribution. And it's the richness that you get from that contribution that has a ripple effect on other people that really, really makes you feel um, great as a human being. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, don't, I don't do things so that people say, oh, Todd, you really changed my life. Uh, it's not why I do it. But I'll give, give, give you a, a couple of, I'll give you one example. Um, Fourth of July weekend, I was in San Diego. I took my kids to San Diego to the beach for a few days, and I'm just hanging out on the boardwalk, people watching, just watching people go back and forth, and you know, it's just a Venice and Vegas and San Diego. There's just different places. It's just fascinating to sit and observe. And I was sitting there observing, and all of a sudden, I hear this, and it's the sound of tires on asphalt with sand right on the boardwalk, stopping right in front of me. And this guy goes, Todd Falcone, and I go, Yeah. He goes, uh, he backs up and he said, hey, I want to introduce myself to you. And he told me his name. He said, listen, he goes, uh, I used to weigh 350 pounds and I've done like five marathons and six half marathons. And and I found you through network marketing, started listening to you. And, and your training uh, had a lot to do with my ability to change my life and change my body. And I just want to say, you know, hey, I'm not, not really even in, involved in network marketing right now. But your 
your training had a big, big influence on me. And I just want to say thank you. And then he was off. Mm. <laughs> I was just like, oh, whoa, wait, see you later. You know, he's like gone like 30 seconds later. And I just kind of sat there for a few minutes going, wow, I guess uh, just feels good to make an impact. You know, uh, I don't do it so people can can tell me how good I am or whatever. I don't. That's not really that important to me. But it is kind of cool when people come up to you and, and you see that you have influenced their lives in a positive way. Of course. I mean, you you know, you're making a difference. And that is a very, very wonderful gift to have and um, to share with other people. You know, I love what you said before about the fact that, you know, some there are people who make exaggerated claims. Or they tell outright lies, etc. So if you were building right now and you wanted to introduce someone how would you present it to a newbie so that in a way that you felt they could receive it and they wouldn't be saying, wait a minute, is he trying to sell me the Brooklyn Bridge? Well, first of all, I would use uh, some kind of marketing tool that was provided through our team or through the company to do the work. So I probably wouldn't manually do the presenting myself. I'd let some kind of tool or tools do that information dissemination because that message is going to be consistent. It's not going to change. So, uh, but I also am a big proponent of telling people the truth about what their experience may be like. So the thing is like, here, here's the deal. If you, if you like, I overpromised myself, I thought I'd be making 10 grand a month in 90 days. I way, way under delivered on that. And typically, when you overpromise and you underdeliver, and your expectations are, are not met, it leads to frustration and discouragement. And frustration and discouragement leads to most of the time people giving up and quitting. And so, I'd rather sit down with someone and make sure that their goals and aspirations are in, in alignment with, uh, you know, their the time that they're willing to put in, and that they're looking at it from a realistic perspective, rather than something that's really out of whack, which unfortunately, I think a lot of people, their expectations are not exactly in proper alignment. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And would that also entail if you were speaking to the person and you saw that they really wanted an instant fix, that you would just turn around and be honest and say, maybe this is not for you? I don't know if I would say that it's not for you. I would I would more likely uh, adjust their uh you know, their expectations, like for for example, if somebody says, I want to make 10 grand a month, but I'm only willing to put an hour a weekend, you know, I would have a chat. I mean, I would ask them, and does that, does that seem to make sense? I mean, are you making 10 grand a month right now with an hour a week in your job? Well, no, not even close. Are you making 10 grand a month? Well, how many hours a week you put? I'm putting 50 hours a week and I'm only making three grand a month. Okay. So how, why would you expect to be making 10 grand a month in an hour a week in this? This is a legitimate real business that takes work. So I mean, if we can realign your, your thought processes here, I'd be happy to, to pursue you know this a little further. But if you think that's going to happen, I'm just going to tell you straight up, it's not. You might want to go look someplace else. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. It's so good because some people wouldn't say that. Now, you created a wonderful, entertaining character, a comic character that you use uh, on video. And I believe you've also used it on stage, correct? Yeah, I used him on stage one time. I was invited to uh, do that at one of the GoPro Recruiting Mastery events. Eric likes to challenge me. So 
he called me up one day and said, "Hey, can you uh, can you do Buzzy Boxer on on stage?" And I said, "What? Like at your event?" He said, "Yeah. Can you do like a few skits with him?" I'm like, "Dude, you are like you're always pushing me. Like I love that's one thing I love about Eric. Like he is always pushing me, which is great. Uh, so yeah, so I, I actually created that character back in 2008. Uh, I was it was <laughs> this is how it, this is how it started. So first of all, I've always been one of these guys. I, like when people do stupid stuff, I just kind of shake my head and go, "Really? You got the world's greatest compensation plan? Really? You do?" Okay. Oh, you're going to be the next billion dollar giant? Mhm. How many times have I heard, "Oh, your 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 ground floor?" Like, "Really?" I mean, I've never heard that phrase before. That's really awesome. Uh, <laughs> you know, just you know, our product is the best product that's ever ex- I mean, like, "Really?" So you've compared, you know, so so when I hear that stuff, I just kind of shake my head anyhow. And then I was driving home one day from I don't even know where I was. I just I remember the road I was on driving back to my house in Sammamish, Washington, and I heard the end of this uh, automotive lease commercial. And they always have to do this disclaimer, which is op- ninety nine nine a month option to personally send twenty eight payments of you know. And I thought oh, and for some reason there was like a trigger in my brain, and I was at home that night, and I was like, I'm going to do this video. So I kind of made up this like. Uh, whiteboard presentation and I, I was like well, what am i going to do i can't look like me so i had this these billy bob teeth and i shoved them in my mouth and i'm like here right here what am i gonna what am i gonna sound like and every every time the teeth would go in my mouth i was like here yeah, man what you i'm talking different i'm talking different 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 what's my name what's my name buzz 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 wait buzz 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 my name's buzz what's my last name boxer buzzy buzzy boxer hi there hi Hi there, folks. My name's Buzzy. My wife calls me Fuzzy sometimes, but don't you worry about that. It's not part of what I'm talking about here. I'm here to talk to you today about a wonderful business opportunity. Now, listen, if you want to be rich and smiley like this guy up here, and you don't want to be broken with tears coming down your eyes, we got this mega million-dollar opportunity in a $19 billion industry. That's with a B, a billion-dollar industry. So, uh... <laughs> that's what and oh, i had a man. wig on and some some sweater i love and, it i, love it. I could listen to that for hours <laughs> so it's it's a pretty funny video it's gotten quite a few views on youtube so pretty funny and i bet you people learn a lot from it as well 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 i mean here's the thing if if you are involved in network marketing and you've been involved in network marketing for any period of time and have any understanding of it and you watch that video there are so many like and the pro- the challenge is you have to listen to it multiple times because you'll be laughing and you'll miss the next two jokes and then you'll be <laughs> laughing and you'll miss the next two jokes because I I fire off this humor right on top of each other like uh, like one of the things like I, I can't even remember the punchline I'm like you know we uh, our product is it, you know my wife she got out of her wheelchair for the first time in 17 years and me I've lost almost three pounds in six. <laughs> See, there you go. You start laughing in six months. So, you know, they, they hear that I lost almost three pounds, but it's three pounds in six months, which is really not not a, <laughs> not substantial weight loss results, right? So, you know, uh, it's funny. You got to listen to it a few times to, to get all of it. But yeah, you just and these are things that people actually do, which is even more sad. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my god. I know one of your pet peeves is um, people who think that they're doing someone who's employed a favor by pointing out to them that what they have, their job, means J-O-B, just over broke. 
Yeah, I mean, I heard that acronym. I don't remember where I heard it. It's like a lot of things that we hear. Uh, I don't know. I'm not trying to impress you. I'm trying to impress upon you. You know, whatever. Just things that you hear over and over again that are adopted by people, and then somebody else uses it. And and I don't know where I don't even know where I heard it, but I thought, oh yeah, job just overbroke. You know, I'm sure I use that a few times. And then I came to the realization, you know, I'm, I'm being stupid here by by saying that I'm I'm insulting the person that I'm trying to bring into the business. And the challenge is. You know, you, you might be saying that you're saying that to a person who's making 400 grand a year in a job and you're making $40 in your monthly check and your business opportunity because you're not treating it seriously or you're not that good. And you just made fun of somebody who's making a ridiculous sum of money and you're making yourself look stupid. So I, I'm, every stage I get on when I get the opportunity, I just say, look, you guys, you know, what's, and, and, and by the way, I've done this in every continent, every country I've been on. I'm like, hey, what's J-O-B stand for? And everybody goes, oh, just over broke. I'm like, stop it. I know you know what it stands for. And that shows me that it's been prevalently sprayed across the entire profession. But uh, stop. And if you got somebody, hear somebody say that, you know, pull them aside. Don't do it and make them look, you know, don't don't make them look bad like in front of somebody. But pull them aside and say, listen, I heard you use that acronym, J-O-B, just over broke. Just so you know, it's really not a cool acronym to use. It actually is insulting the very person you're attempting to bring in the business, you might want to not use that again. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I think we as a whole profession have got to reduce that. I, I mean, it makes more sense, don't you think, to just ask um, sincere questions, and then if the person says to you, well, one of the frustrating things is that as hard as I work, I never have enough money, then they're telling you, that their job isn't financially rewarding, but you're not insulting them. Exactly. Yeah. Wonderful. I'm so glad you shared that one as well. How do you see network marketing evolving in the next 10 years? Well, that's an interesting question. Uh, I think that I think it's going to have to clean up. Uh, I think there's been some, some things happening the last few years, last, uh, really last year and a half with some different companies that have had some challenges where we as a profession are going to have to uh, not be so crazy with the claims and uh, be more product focused. You know, it's uh, you can't be just all money, money, cars, flashing cash and all this stuff because uh, the regulatory agencies don't like it. I understand why they don't. And I think people need to tell the truth and, and the truth is certainly good enough. Hmm. Yeah, I, I agree that that's definitely uh, in the works. And I know that Eric Worre is doing a lot to make that happen as well. And how do you think the Internet is going to evolve and change network marketing even more than it has? Um, well, the, the Internet has... has has made just made information available so fast and that is very different than back in the day and so uh, i think it's going to continue to provide us opportunities on on one uh from one perspective where we can get information out to people very quickly very easily and uh, we've got a lot of tools and things that the internet can you know allow us to do with social media and video and uh the way we can communicate through through the internet, I, I, I don't know. I think uh, I think it's it, it can get us in trouble as well because it's anybody can say or do anything that they want on the internet. Uh, but 
I don't know. Well, I guess we'll, we'll see. It's 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 definitely shifted. I mean, what we do in network marketing hasn't changed. Uh, we still do the same thing we've always done. I mean, I've been asked that question before. Has you know is network marketing? Network marketing is really to me is not any different. It's still a person telling another person about a cool product or service and and building a, a sales team through you know referral marketing network. You know, person to person. Uh, the internet uh, has enabled us to do things that we haven't been able to do in the past, but uh, the, the nature of what we do has not changed at all. It's still the same thing it was 25, 30, 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. Well, I think one of the things that I see is very positive is uh, because of what we have at our fingertips technologically, we can reach so many more people without leaving our home. We can reach them in any country, on any continent, and we can reach, um, you know, make an impact that much quicker than you would if you didn't have that technology at your, your command. Absolutely. And where, Todd, do you want to be, or where do you see yourself, envision yourself in the next five years? Living in my compound in uh, the woods in Washington State and traveling the world and continuing continuing to make an impact in people's lives, both in and out of the network marketing profession. When you say a compound in the woods, are you serious? I'm dead serious. What does it look like? Lots of acres, lots of trees. Lots of open space, uh, my own custom spot for my family, and uh, just my my cool spot where I live. That's very naturist, naturish. I don't know if that's even a word, but I'll go with it. And uh, yeah. very natural. <laughs> yeah, my wife wants chickens, so I'm sure we'll have a few chickens. But uh, I don't know. My boys flourish in the outdoors. I flourish in the outdoors, so. Just being in a, in a place that uh, we have a lot of room is uh, exciting for me. Do you have the property already? I'm in the process of acquiring it. So uh, still looking, looking for the right piece. And when I find it, I'll know it. Beautiful. That is a beautiful, beautiful vision. Something wonderful to aim toward. How can people contact you, especially network marketers who might want to take advantage of your... Um, life-changing training well they can find me at toddfalcone.com t-o-double-d-f-a-l-c-o-n-e.com and uh, they can find me on facebook as well if they go check out todd falcone the fearless networker that's my business page and uh, they can locate me there and we can connect that is wonderful. Any final thoughts that you would love to leave people with? <sighs> final thoughts. It's always a fun one. Um, <laughs> you know, Lewis, I think, uh, look, you're involved in network marketing. The network marketing profession isn't on trial. Your company is probably isn't on trial. Uh, you are. And important for you to step up other people are doing it in your company other people are doing it in other companies why not you why not you right now get to work put your head down and stay focused until it happens for you and don't ever quit i love it are you familiar with seth godin's book called the icarus deception 
I have not read that book, but I'm very familiar with uh, Seth Godin, so yes. I think you would love it because a lot of what you said today, especially about you, the corporate world, and rules, that book is all about that, and I think it would really speak to you. I've been very impressed by it, and I'm very impressed by you, and I'm, I, I, I sincerely am so grateful that you took time out of your day. Uh, I know how busy you are to uh, come and contribute like this. It's, it's been wonderful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks for having me on, Lewis. I appreciate it. I appreciate the service that you're providing the network marketing space by, by doing the show. So thanks for having me. Thank you, Todd. I received that. And thank you, everyone, for listening to the show today. I would love to know what you got from Todd Falcone's inspiring story. You can let me know on iTunes, at Stitcher, and of course at changeyourstorypodcast.com where there's a free gift waiting for you. An ebook, The Storytelling Secrets for a Rich Life and Business. During the next week, ask yourself this question. Is there something that I say and feel that I really want, but for some reason I'm not really going after it? And if I think I'm going after it, I'm not achieving it or getting it, then ask yourself this. Have I really made the decision? Have I burned my boats? Have I removed all exit strategies that stop me from achieving my goal? Keep asking, keep digging, and you will certainly find the way to change your story and change your life. Tune in to the next episode of Louis DiBianco's podcast. Become unstoppable as you learn to change your story, change your life.